We are The Purposeful Project. We help entrepreneurs for free. Welcome to today's pep talk, where we'll take just 20 minutes to interview leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how, insights and life lessons. To hear these incredible insights, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music or anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can simply visit thepurposefulproject.com, sign up to our mailing list and get the podcast in your inbox every single week. So James, welcome. Would you like to kick off by telling anybody that doesn't know about you who you are and what you're about? Sure. Um, firstly, apologies for the tech issues earlier, but um, hopefully you can hear me now. So my name is James Grant. I'm the co-founder of MyTutor, and we're the UK's kind of largest online tuition platform. And we match secondary school students with high-performing undergraduates and graduates who deliver really engaging tutorials online using our online lesson space. And our customers are families, schools, and governments. And we've delivered over a million lessons to these students, partnered with over a thousand schools, and have a community of around 20,000 tutors. And our school programs primarily support students from disadvantaged backgrounds. So I started this business to solve two problems. One was the kind of surge in student debt whilst people were at university, made me quite angry. And I felt like these university students had this amazing opportunity to give back and deliver um, meaningful work. And then on the tutoring side, tutoring was this really unfair advantage for people who had money, basically. Um, really expensive agencies existed, but nothing that really allowed tuition to become something for the masses. And so that's what we're really trying to do. I love it. And student debt makes me angry too. Um, and so um, so grateful that you're, you're, you're fighting back there, frankly, and helping people figure out a new way forward. So how, how does the business actually work? What, what's, the, what's the model? So the model on the family side is a B2C marketplace, kind of like an Airbnb for tutors, where parents will go onto our platform, they'll search for a tutor, um, have a free meeting with someone, and then book lessons through our platform. So we deal with all the payments, the messages, um, and the online learning technology. And then on the school side, we're doing larger programs for big groups of students. So it could be 50, 100 students in the year who are struggling to make progress. And we complement the work they do in class and allow them to um, have like really amazing relationships with their tutors around academics. Um, so English, maths and science are the main subjects we help with. And these students may have either one to one lessons or three to one. So three students to one tutor normally once a week around the school timetable. And it just is a really engaging experience, uh, very deeply personalized to the needs of the students. So we use a lot of assessment data and um, we get a lot of information from the school teachers. Um, and uh, my tutor, I guess, uh, takes, a, takes a small cut of each lesson to fund the platform and grow. It's a great model. So today we want to talk a little bit, um, pick your brain, I guess, about how to develop your entrepreneurial muscle as well as education. And is it broken? Um, I guess we can, we're beginning to talk about that now. Clearly it is broken. But do you think um, being an entrepreneur, anyone can learn to be an entrepreneur or do you think it's something you have to be born to be? I, I am a very strong believer that anyone can learn to be an entrepreneur. I think that fundamentally entrepreneurship is... Um, is a mix of um, like science and that you can learn a lot of kind of basic kind of tools and techniques that deliver an outcome. And then it's also about um, using your own superpowers to become um, 
to become an, a great entrepreneur. So your superpower could be something that's data driven. It could be around your resilience. It could be around your vision and your ideas. And I think it's about figuring where your strengths lie and really making them into a big superpower. So for me, I think that, you know, in the context of education, these sorts of skills that are beneficial for entrepreneurship, and I can go into my views on them, should be taught in the school curriculum and I think should be accessible for anyone, regardless of your background and wealth and kind of demographics. And I know, Simon, that's that's really core to your mission. And, and I wonder how, for a lot of the people that we are trying to help at the Purposeful Project, um, sometimes they don't realize they're entrepreneurs. So I, the muscle in their brain has not yet woken up, partly because they've been told sometimes via the education system, that they are, they are not entrepreneurs, right? So, so in your experience, how do you wake up that entrepreneurial muscle in, in your brain? For me, one of the key things here is having a bias for action. So what I mean by that is if you're thinking um, of an idea or you're thinking that you want to get involved in entrepreneurship or even doubting your ability to do so, start really small, but start. Like it's, it's about taking that first step so for me, when I was 11 years old, the first entrepreneurial itch I got was to become a DJ. And the way I started was I realized I needed equipment and I, in order to get my equipment, started a car wash business. So for the summer, I knocked on doors, I spoke to clients and I basically delivered um, like a very basic service to people that like sort of got me thinking about my sales skills, got me thinking about quality of service and I saved up money for equipment. So for me, like that bias for action, just starting is incredibly important. That could be reaching out to another entrepreneur who's doing something similar for advice. It could be um, teaming up with a friend who also has a similar sort of um, problem to solve or an entrepreneurial itch themselves. It could be going online and learning from different courses and contents or joining a webinar or, or a clubhouse session. Um, but it's about like taking those first baby steps and gradually growing from there. When it comes to starting your business and building your business as you were getting into it, um, did you have to raise money? How did you actually begin the process of starting the company? So the first thing with my tutor I did was I put some of my own money in and the way I got that money was through a previous business, so an events business that I ran during university. Um, it wasn't like a high growth scale up business, but it was um, a really nice sort of side earner for me. And so when I thought of the idea of my tutor, I did a couple of things. I put some of my own money in. I applied for some business competitions, which were around pitching and um, just presenting my business plan. And then I also got us to the point where I built a very, very early kind of what we call MVP, minimum viable product. So an early version of the platform that I then took to um, venture capitalists and angel investors to try and raise uh, a seed round. So I initially raised 150,000. One of the investors was an old boss of mine, and then another was a small venture capital fund. Um, and that to me was um, kind of born out of um, a very long process, lots of no's along the way, lots of people not necessarily buying into what I was doing, um, but just gradually getting more and more introductions to people, refining my pitch and getting used to the nose and sort of almost finding finding the positives in the nose I got. So it was a mix of funding, uh, but very much started with those business grants and a bit of money that I'd saved up. The word I hear when you speak uh, is, is hustle. 
And uh, I know to those in banking, that sounds like a negative word, but in entrepreneur world, it is how you build something. And I love the point you're making about your, your boss investing. This is something I think a lot of people overlook. Um, you know, the company you're working for might not be the company you quit in a blaze of glory and say goodbye to, but might actually be the very organization that supports you. I think that's an overlooked opportunity sometimes. Um, and so people I've worked with in the past have also invested in my businesses. So that's why it's so important, I guess, to be ethical and work professionally, um, even if you're working for someone else. Like right? you never know when that moment will come when they might invest in your business. Absolutely, yeah. I think the, the hustle is, is a non-negotiable. If you don't have the hustle, and not people aren't born with the hustle. I don't think I think hustle is something that you get out of building confidence in very small steps. So like building a habit out of putting yourself out there so doing something uncomfortable. It could be that, you know, um, you're uncomfortable with public speaking or you're, you're uncomfortable with um, explaining your ideas to people you're intimidated by. And I think it's just about taking those steps to confront your fears and um, and and taking action, which um, sounds really easy, but uh, it can be difficult and leads a lot of people to procrastinate. Um, but yeah, absolute key skill set. Um, I mean, I wanted to ask you what, what you think, um, if you, you know, your business and uh, clearly just, just explain the scale. I mean, I, I, I don't want to get the numbers wrong. Explain the scale of, you know, what you've managed to achieve. So, yeah, so, so I, I think one interesting thing that's happened since COVID is that we've become uh, a 180 person business. So 180 employees, um, sorry, I'm getting a, there we go. Um, sorry, I was getting a lot of background noise there. Yeah, we've become 180 employees from 45 pre-COVID and we've raised 14 million pounds um, from a mix of angel investors and venture capital funds. Um, we've got a really inspiring board. So our chair is Amory Huby, who founded Just Giving. Um, and we've got uh, um, a number of other really interesting angel investors who've done big things. Um, we have delivered a million online lessons and we've helped close to 100,000 students. Um, so, so the scale is growing very fast. We, we've grown about three times each year for the last few years. And we are sort of, we have ambitions to be a global leader in what we call near peer tuition. So by near peer, I'm talking about um, the tutors having recently experienced the things that their students are going through. So in our case, at the moment, it's university students teaching secondary school kids. Um, we want to be global leaders in this field. I think, um, again, what, what I always love about um, interviewing incredible founders like yourself, James, is that, you know, hustle is there, right? Hustle is there, but humbleness is also a, an important trait. You know, you didn't lead with uh, what you just said. I think it's incredible what you've achieved and you didn't lead with that. You, you led with the, the, I guess the insights and the learnings that you're sharing with people. So, you know, um, thank, thank you for being humble, but it's so impressive what you've done. I guess um, I was just reading your, your bio and I do love it. You know, father to a daughter, son to a father, injured former pole vaulter. Um, so um, maybe just for a second, we can talk about a few of those things. What's it like being a, a, a father when building a business? Is, how have you managed that work-life balance, that mysterious work-life balance? That, that's been incredibly difficult. I, I um, had my first daughter last February and uh, her name's Isla. And so she was born almost to a COVID world and has been living in a bubble ever since. And um, whilst we've been really lucky in that we've been living um, with my wife's family for the last few months and had lots of support, um, running a business alongside it definitely has its challenges. 
um, I've, I've managed to build a clear separation between work and, and, and fatherhood by having some non-negotiables, so always being around for bath time and that sort of thing. But um, I think, I think the, the sleep early on completely goes and that has a knock-on effect on work. And one thing I've learned is that it's really important to be very open and honest with the team about how you're feeling and when you're having a bad day. I think that vulnerability um, as a leader is incredibly important during a time like COVID because most of my team have had their own struggles. I've been lucky in that I've, I fortunately haven't had any sort of close family members or friends like severely affected by COVID, but we've definitely had people on the team who've, who've, who've suffered um, and had been in a much worse situation than I have. So I think showing the vulnerability of the challenges I've had as bal of balancing fatherhood and entrepreneurship has um, encouraged a culture of vulnerability within the company that I think is incredibly important. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, across all the platforms right now, Clubhouse, TikTok and social media, we've nearly 20,000 people listening. And I, and I want what you've just said there to, to, to stick. And the thing I always think about is the strongest people in the world ask for help. So it's it's a, such an important point you, you you're bringing up there. Now um, with with you know children, I guess also brings a more emphasis on the education side. I mean, I'm looking right now at myself at my three and a half year old, uh, and what school he could go into that's actually going to give him life skills that are going to be relevant in this new world we're living in. And I'm finding it very hard. So if you look back at education, you know what what do you think the solution is to the to the problems in education? I think the first point to make here is that you have to start very early. Um, so I, I think it's not good enough to, for, for people to wake up when their kid's 16 and think, oh, we need to get them some tutoring to get over the line on exams. I think um, your education goes far beyond just passing exams. For me, I, I think there's some very early things that we need to teach children. I think around mental health, around resilience, um, around vulnerability, that, that's kind of some very important early skill sets around communicating and being articulate with your feelings and emotions. Um, and then as you get older, I think you can then ap apply on top of those building blocks, very practical skills. So the work of the, the working world of the future will include much more data-driven and analytical roles, understanding what goes on in startups, whether it's new roles like product management or, or coding and engineering, and also really important societal issues like climate change or um, the emergence of AI and how that's going to be regulated. I think it's a mixture of the, the core skill sets of building a balanced human, regardless of what you do. On top of that, the building blocks of the future of work and, and what your education is going to be used for. And then also understanding the societal big picture issues that we need to solve. Um, that's how I would kind of describe uh, what I envision for the future of education. Yeah, and I think so, sometimes um, my, my, my view is to fix education, there is that some, putting a fire out in a house, doing it from inside the house is quite tricky. So I quite like the idea of an outside influence like my tutor bringing, bringing you know, your mission to life as you have done, hopefully also um, creates the opportunity commercially for people to see that, that making these things readily available to people and giving people the chance to get help um, and on education level. Because again, I couldn't agree with you more. I think when I was at school, I hated school. But I think partly I hated school because of the teachers that I had or the lack of help that I had. I was one of four boys. So when I got home, there was no time for my parents to help me. Um, and so, you know, I really struggled. And maybe if I'd had some help, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have disliked 
the traditional education process so much. And so, yeah, I really love your message about, you know, get, get help uh, earlier on. And um, uh, what, what about um, the actual education system? It's it, it changing. Do you, do you see it changing? Because right now it's very exam-based, isn't it? It's very, it's very memorization-based, which, which also seems quite obsolete to me. But do, do you see that changing anytime soon? I think it's going to be a really difficult one to change because it's been embedded for so many years. Um, there's lots of schools of thought that uh, exams aren't that useful in, in determining the outcome or the success of a student. And I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but I mean, my tutor was built on the idea that, yes, there does need to be fundamental change in education, but also it's important not to completely um, damage the credibility of what's in place at the moment. So we, we wanted to build sort of building blocks that complement the current education system. So we do support with exams. But then on top of that, I think it's important to provide the add-ons and that a private company or a charity separate to the education system can do. So for us, because we're not limited by the exam system and the current school space, we can solve some of the gaps that we see separately. So we build the relationships with schools, we help them in their core areas that they're measured on, like exams, um, like helping disadvantaged students and then we provide our own sort of courses and services that build on top of it so for example we had we built uh, my tutor groups which is a, a sort of free online school where people can learn about stuff beyond just english maths and science they can learn about mental health or the future of education or um or even things like climate change and and for us it's really important to uh, provide that for free because we're providing a service to schools that is funded by either the government or by families. But then we have the ability to kind of give back on top of that and build a brand as a thought leader in the future of education. So I don't think, in answer to your question, I don't think that exams will disappear in the near future. But I think that it's important to build on top of them so that we're not overly reliant. Yeah. I think um, I, I also concur. I, I, I think there is some good things in education. The fact that you can actually get an education is something in England, for example, that people should be very grateful for. But equally, um, I do. I, I personally think the core issue is is actually the structure of exams. I, th I think you shouldn't be measured on on your exam results. You should be measured on the the output, your your attitude, what you're contributing to society. Um, these are not things that are uh, you can tick a box to get a result on. So I love the idea that that could be changed. Um, at one point, I thought of running for prime minister to even try and do that uh, and make make the education system uh, a priority to fix it because because I think the, the Infrastructure is there. The money is spent. There's a lot of investment put into the education system of just a few tweaks. It could be uh, as good as my tutor. Soft plug for you there. You still there? I'm still there. Yeah. I, I, I. Very kind words. And by the way, I'm one of four boys as well, so I've experienced um, the the messiness and busyness of that household. Yeah. Um, and again. It just we, we, you know, it's also quite competitive too. So you know, you're, you're, you know, it's a bit like being at school. If you're one of many, you you also don't want to stand out as being someone that's sitting there studying. Strangely enough, but uh, interesting. Were you the, what? What were you? Number one, number two, number three? Where were you in the sequence? I was number one. Um, oh, number one. That's the best I position. One. I think. Though. I think that it is the good. best position. Um, but but you sort of get all the mistakes made on you, and then um, and then it gets gradually better and better.
True. I was number two, so I often say that um, you know my, my parents made all the mistakes with number one, and number two, they still had the energy and made the effort. By number three, they couldn't be bothered anymore. So um, you know, it's, it's all good fun. But if you went back and, and, and did it all again um, with, with business you built, what would you do differently? What, what learnings have you had that might be useful for people listening? Um, so a, a few come to mind. So, so one is around um, the way you set up um, like sort of very, very small but fundamental things that um, aren't going to build your business but will set the foundations for growth. And what I mean by that is um, in the beginning, I tried to um, focus on learning accountancy and learning some, uh, some, some of the legal side, which is very interesting and valuable, but fundamentally it's things that other people can do and you can pay other people to do. So I would, I would advise people investing in the basics and, and not trying to do everything themselves. I, I had a horrible story where I, I completely messed up payroll um, in the first year and had to like redo everyone's, everyone's PAYE because I'd just been submitting it wrong. Um, and those sorts of mistakes take up a lot of headspace and time um, and you could probably pay one or two thousand pounds and have it done for you. So that's one piece of advice. Um, second piece of advice is um, around networking. And I, I'm going to be careful about how I frame this, but I think that um, it's important to network. But um, a lot of people sort of spend their whole time at networking events and don't actually focus on their core business. So don't worry too much about building your sort of personal brand and profile early on. I would say that's something that you do kind of later in the game where it's really either part, core part of your company mission, like with you, Simon, or if you've had that success, again, like you uh, in previous businesses, I think that's when you focus on personal brand. In the beginning, I think it's more important to focus on very targeted introductions and um, very uh, and, and get your head down and just, just business build. And then the final thing I think um, I'd give as advice uh, based on mistakes I've made is sweating the small stuff less. Um, so we were lucky to get a few big decisions right early on with my tutor. Um, the type of tutor we work with, the online delivery, the work we did with schools, those are big bets that differentiated us in the market. But I also got quite bogged down in our sort of um, month by month performance and sometimes had a bit of a short termist mindset of, you know, oh God, we've missed our figures by 10% this month. The board are going to be gutted. Um, I'm going to get in trouble. And I think those sorts of things, they matter, but they don't matter as much as whether you're going in the right direction, whether you're setting your business up for long term success. So I think um, getting too drawn into the short term, which is very easy to do either when you're raising investment rounds or setting things up, um, can be dangerous because it can stop you from really assessing whether you're going in the right direction. James, thank you so much. I've got so many more questions I want to ask you, so I absolutely have to have you back on, but I'm conscious that we, we booked 20 minutes of your time today and you've graciously given us that time and I don't want to take up any more, but I want to thank you for sharing your story, sharing your insight, and I look forward to having you back on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Simon. Appreciate it. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you for listening to Pep Talk today, powered by The Purposeful Project. If you found it interesting, please give us a review and follow us. In addition, you can sign up to our website and get loads more free entrepreneur knowledge, as well as get access to Pep Talk and the Purposeful Project podcast direct in your inbox every week.